You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club. Club, we've had an eventful few days after a case of Saints versus Sinners in Paisley, with many in Maroon condemned to eternal damnation by the travelling support. It was then forgiveness in Ayrshire and maybe the odd hallelujah as Hearts recorded an away win and scored two goals. I am Laurie Dunsire and praise the Lord, I'm joined by Mark Donaldson. Whoa, how do I follow that? 1962, 27th of October, 1962. Laurie Davidson! Laurie Davidson! Kilmarnock were eliminated from the League Cup by Heart of Midlothian and Hearts went on to win the trophy. That was the final. This was the quarter final. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes. We've gone from religious references to dumb and dumber references. Yes, there, <laughs> there is a chance. Uh, yes, we've got ups and downs to cover, which is very typical of Hearts and maybe lots of football fans. And we're pleased to be joined by a man of Amoruso Let's It Run fame. No, not Adam himself, but Mr. Scott McIntosh. How are you? Well, there's a way setting me up for a fall there. Letting people think it's one person and then it just turns out to be me. Uh, no, I'm glad to be back on after uh, last week's suspension. So yes, uh, I, I know I know how to behave myself and conduct myself now when it comes to the predictions. What did you do that. during your one game ban? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to get a funny answer for that, but I couldn't. I was just trying to think of something. Well, we no. can now blame you for the fact that we lost the next game because you weren't on to predict Hearts to lose, and then, and then the reverse psychology thing that worked with Aberdeen. So maybe, yeah, maybe we should never give you the ban again, so you can keep putting bad predictions in. Not that it's ever worked for Mark and myself, because we just no. tend to predict Hearts win, and a lot of the times they don't. So oh, that who knows? But thank you for joining us again, Scott, and we are delighted to be joined by a man who, if we're going to keep rolling out the, I don't know, relig- religious references, I don't know why, it, who was in Ayrshire as the heavens opened on Tuesday night. We had rain, we had thunder, we had lightning, but most importantly, Joel Sked, who had a heart's win. Yes, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank and uh, thank goodness, not, not, only, not only did we have a hearts win, but the hearts win that avoided extra time as well, so I was able to get <laughs> home in a decent time. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, it's one of those where part of you almost feels like just someone win it now. Come yes, on. oh yes. One of you win it. <laughs> Obviously, especially Hearts, but just someone. Um, so thank you for joining us, Joel. And before we get cracking with, with Hearts chat, you know, I've introduced you previously as Joel Sked, Edinburgh Evening News, and more recently The Herald. But now you are Joel Sked of Hearts Standard, or, or The Hearts Standard, as I tend to want to say, um, which... It looks fantastic, a, a new website, and I'll let you kind of tell us a bit about it. Yes, thank you. So it's, yeah, it's, it's heart standard. There was, there was a wee bit of uh, debate about there. Um, and yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound quite right, but no, it's, it's a website dedicated to covering Hartford Lovian Football Club. It is um, f- through the Herald. So the Herald have, um, they've set up these projects with, for ventures with uh, Rangers and Celtic, and they were really keen to, give hearts and hips the same treatment they they view hearts they they, they, they just believe hearts and hips deserve uh, more coverage me personally more so hearts deserve more coverage i think um during my time at evening news scots when i've seen how hearts fans devour content they just the hearts fans are just they're so um tapped into everything that's uh, happening with hearts and there's just a we've seen it with the foundation of hearts and like saving the club and uh, we've, we've seen it with the, the the critical side as well everyone's just so passionate about the club so there was always a space for um for more in-depth coverage because mm-hmm. i mean you, you you look around a lot of the a lot of the outlets will focus on Rangers and Celtic. You've obviously got even news Barry. Um, Barry's the best around when it comes to when it comes to Hearts. He's a fantastic operator. So it was just about trying to um, add more into that space, and we're hoping to hoping to do that through a variety of things. Whether it is uh, video stuff before and after games during the week, it's in depth feeds, exclusive interviews, features, and all kind of the latest news as well as well as providing a wee bit more of um kind of tactical and statistical and uh, statistical analysis as well so a bit of everything just a bit uh, something just maybe fresh in depth and focused fully on the Hartford Lowland Football Club yeah so um when when it launched and I seen that we had uh, three away games coming up I was very very stressful because uh, mm. as we all know hearts are not very good away from home so it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting first week but I really um Fulfilling um, first week and it kind of been overwhelming by the um, by the response, the feedback. You're always a bit apprehensive launching something like this and just how how it will go down. Um, will there be no doubt there will be kind of suspicion and a wee bit of negativity, but largely it's been has been positive and uh, that's really good. So the the, the the kind of the fatal um, the fatalistic nature of um, of the, how I operate, think oh my goodness, that means there's going to be uh, more pressure on me. But um, no, it's it's it, it's good and uh, hopefully the team begin to uh, start winning games, which um, always makes it slightly easier. I read the content. Yeah, I read the content both after the the St. Mirren game and after the Kilmarnock game. Watched the content, spent half an hour earlier. Um, Yourself and James Kearney both do an excellent job so far. Um, Listened to both after the St. Mirren game and after the the Kilmarnock win. And yeah, I mean, look, you say it like it is. And yeah, we do devour content. And I like to devour content after a defeat as well as after a a win because I think you can learn things from, from what you've seen. Um, maybe give us an idea about potential talking points. But really, Hearts right now are either pelly or smelly. And when it comes to the most read, 
Here's the here's the top three in reverse order. The most read stories on Hearts Standard right now. And this will kind of explain whether it's a defeat at St Mirren or a victory at Kilmarnock, how much um, things kind of change. Number three, how Hearts rediscovered their attacking mojo in Cup win and the key men involved. Number two, Stephen Naismith reveals best Hearts player in Cup win over Kilmarnock. Full Q&A. And number one, Hearts and Celtic ranked among top 10 passing sides in world football statistics. Oh, that's um, I've, uh, that must be the whoever the must have gone on the Herald and someone's ticked the Heart Standard website because uh, James and I neither five put that one, so that's uh, that's 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 interesting to know. We're in the top ten. That must mean we're way clear at the top of the table. We've already won the League Cup and the Scottish Cup and the ten and sixes, and we're preparing for Champions League action. The top ten passing sides in world football. Have, have you have you seen that? There's a real mixed bag. I've just looked at it. There's a real mixed bag of teams there. So you've got obviously you've got Celtic, you've got Chelsea, you've got Barcelona, you've got Paris Saint Germain, but you've also got FC Andorra and Levski Sofia and Hearts. And Hearts, yeah, and it doesn't really surprise me because yeah, having I think we've all seen the stats with uh, with uh, Hearts this season that we've uh, had a hell of a lot of the ball and not done much with it. Yes, the the most successful passes are probably you'll probably see Frankie Kent and Kai Rolls will be in there. <laughs> oh yes, above above many of the players within the likes of Paris Saint Germain and Barcelona, and it means nothing. But what what I do like, uh, you know, I like the analysis and I like the, the kind of the stats and uh, the opinion stuff that you've got on there, which goes into um, what what's happened in games, whether we've done well or we've done poorly, and I, you know, I've said on here before, certain stats I don't like, but I think what's important is giving some context as well. I think sometimes you get stats thrown out of there, and it doesn't mean an awful lot if you don't put a bit of context in there. So I really like the post match analysis of the submitting game. We'll probably get into a bit of that actually when we talk about it. Um, and I've not had a chance to read um, as much of the Kamarnik stuff, but I will get to it. So really impressed with the website so far. I know you don't like to plug things so much, Joel. I know it's not your thing, but I think it is important. We've got you on. We like the website. So if someone does want to to, to go and subscribe to Heart Standard, I'll, I'll let them know, first of all, where they find it. The website's heartsstandard.co.uk. You can find them on Twitter, which is at heartsstandard underscore. I assume maybe someone had at heartsstandard already. There's a there's a there's a story behind that. Hopefully it'll be uh, it'll be uh, sorted and it'll okay. the underscore will be, the underscore will go. Okay, that's fine. But if, if if they want to subscribe, I know you've got a bit of an offer just now, which is very very generous. Or two offers actually. Yes. So we've got uh, for one pound you can get access to all content for six months, or you if you have a bit more faith, you can go for twelve pound for twelve months Great. and. And I think we both both are good offers. They will um for one pound you can you can dip your toes into it for six months or if you if if you're if, if you like the cut for jib then you can go um go for longer and uh, I've, I thought we may as well just uh, just touch on James as well. James is he's actually a, a, a thistle fan, Park thistle fan, but he's done. Um, if Hearts fans are not aware of him, he has done some absolutely brilliant journalism around Partick Thistle and and they are bore troubles again. I don't know how much. Uh, Hearts fans have paid attention to that, but they've they've uh, their ownership over the last couple of years has been um, has has been a fractious um, kind of process. He's been there uh, every step of the way, and he's done some. He's he's held a lot of people to, to account, so he's 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 shown his talent there. But he's also you talked about kind of the tactical stuff. He's uh, he's he's really switched on 
and uh, he's 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 got a good football brain. So yeah, his, his stuff is really good. He's he's, he's very um, very varied in what he can do. So it's, it's good to have him um, working alongside me. The M8 Alliance uh, in full force. Yes, yes. There, uh, just need to get someone in from Shrinarna. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, well, thank you for that, Joel. I do recommend subscribing to the Heart Standard if you haven't already. Uh, there's, there's no collusion here. We're, we're not on the payroll at all. We just like Joel and we like the content. So, give it a, give it a look, and we'll crack on with the podcast. Okay, you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So I said we're going to have some ups and downs on this podcast, and we're going to start um, We're going to start at the bottom and work our way up a little bit. That's, that's a good way to do it, because the first game that happened uh, since we were on was away to St Mirren. And obviously this is the, uh, the, the smelly, as Mark would call it, in terms of recent hearts performances. So submitting against Hearts. Uh, hearts going into this game against a submitting side who are unbeaten in nine games in all competitions, but Hearts themselves, four unbeaten at that particular stadium. Two changes for Stephen Naismith's side, Peter Haring and Yutaro Oda dropping out. Yutaro Oda unavailable with injury for this one. Benny uh, Beningame and Callum Neuenhoff coming in. So Hearts with a, a formation that Puzzled a few people when we saw the team, Scott. What did you make of it when you saw the lineup that Stephen Naismith put out in Paisley? I think my initial reaction was looking at the 11 individuals and thinking that's probably as strong a side as we can, we can sort of put out with the players that we had available at the weekend. So there was that initial sort of, okay, that seems to be okay. You then get a couple of minutes into the game you start to look at where Cami Devlin's positioned. You notice how narrow Kenneth Fargas seems to be. And that's when the problems start hitting you. And you start thinking, oh, I didn't actually think about the shape here. What exactly are we looking to do here? Uh, you then think that's maybe just, you know, start of the game, looking to get into the match, looking to impose ourselves. But then that sort of narrow shape seems to persist until well into the second half when we decide to give Alan Forrest a few minutes uh, towards the end. Now, the only goal of the game came in the seventh minute. Scott Tanzer down the left up against Cammy Devlin, ball into the box, which caused a bit of disarray. And Ryan Strain making it three goals in his last three home games against Hearts, knocking it in. It looked like it was Xander Clark who gave a shout for the ball, which is why the defenders left it. So... Not a great moment for goalkeeper or centre-backs. Now, in terms of this game, I'm not going to do a kind of play-by-play um, -play breakdown, but what I wanted to do was get to an email we received from Rab Bright. It was a long email, so I'm not going to get to it all, but he picked up some points about the submitting game, and I want to then put some of these points to you guys, and it relates to what happened during the game. I should say, Rab sent us this after the submitting game, but before the Kamarnik game, so maybe he would be feeling a little bit brighter after the win in Ayrshire. But I'm going to start with this. And as I say, I, I can't get to everything he's put in there. Thank you for taking the time to write it. But um, let's get to it. So Rab said, Hello, gents. I'm sitting with a coffee and a bacon roll on Sunday morning, still feeling very angry and frustrated at yesterday's game and the overall situation at Hearts. And needing somewhere to vent, so I thought I'd email you guys. Um, I like Stephen Naismith, which makes this more difficult. 
They should never have been appointed, not enough experience, was doing okay with the B team, and there were definitely positive signs around playing style and approach when he came in for the last seven games. And let's not rewrite history, the majority of opinions from Hearts fans I saw were in his favour, me included though, with reservations around lack of experience, but any managerial appointment at our level will be a gamble. Uh, those reservations have unfortunately come to fruition, not just the that, but purely the situation around UEFA coaching badges should have been the point the board decided to look elsewhere. Uh, that has uh, been an embarrassment for the club and made us a laughing stock. Um, there have been a very few occasions this season where we've shown that same approach and attacking intent at the end of that we did at the end of last season. What has changed? What or who has got into Naismith's head? I'm clearly speculating, probably unfairly, but both McAvoy and Forrest strike me as being a bit old school, and that influence shines through 11 players back defending corners, for examples. Now he goes on, so he starts talking about we. We talk about wanting a fast start in these games, but these are just words. The approach we take, do not back these words up. Look at us when we get a throw-in. Unless we're chasing the game at the end, we stroll to take over a throw-in, showing no urgency. Um, now, he mentions this, and he goes into a few more things about submitting. But first off, Mark, about that starting games quickly. One thing about Paisley that frustrates me, you know, we, we go behind pretty early on. Now, the last three games submitting, we actually managed to get a draw, the two last season. But the first half especially... I feel like I've just been watching the same game. It feels like Groundhog mm -hmm. Day yeah. mm -hmm. in St Mirren in terms of what we're going to get from St Mirren. You're going to get a back three turning into a back five at times. You're going to get a team that are happy to play the low block or um, sitting deep for the more traditional approaches, being defensive, but being very physical and being direct and trying to hit hearts on the break. We, we, you know exactly what you're going to get. They're effective, but um, it's not you know it's not reinventing the wheel with St Mirren. They're effective at what they do, but at the same time predictable to an extent um, but Hearts have been equally predictable in all these games and playing a way that has just suited them down to the ground Certain teams have a style that just doesn't work for Hearts because I mean other teams have used the big, big physical Hearts against us but look I said last week on the podcast that we know how this game is going to go or we've got a pretty good idea how this game is going to go and you're right it went exactly that way in that they're content to allow us possession of the ball because they know we can't really hurt them and they're content to get it wide, use the width that they've got, get it into the area where they know we can't defend. And it went the same way as, as you've just said, as, as as previous ones have gone. We went a goal down and if, if Lauren Shanklin was in the form of last season, then Lauren Shanklin would have equalised near the end and it would have been a draw and everyone's like, oh, that was just the same. It was the same as the one that Snodgrass scored. It was the same as the one we were 2-0 down and we got the 2-all draw. But we didn't have that little bit of quality at the end and it was a deserved defeat for that. We, we, we don't have the players that are capable of battling. And I'm not just talking about a physical battle. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about smart players as well. And it's, this is the frustrating thing. We know what they're going to do. So surely we come up with a better plan than we've done. And not just on Saturday, but in previous games against St. Mirren, because yes, we've got away with it at times. However, it's, it's not great to watch. And, we didn't get away with it this time, and as a result, the the annoyance and the uh, the negativity was totally merited. Afterwards, thankfully, we have some positivity to discuss in this episode because Kilmarnock are now eliminated from the League Cup and Hearts are through. Can you imagine the seethe and the ire? if Hearts had lost both games? But what we have now, Laurie, is you said you don't know what, what Hearts you're going to get. It was poor at home against Motherwell. It was good at home against Aberdeen. It was poor at St Mirren. It was good at Kilmarnock. What are we getting at Ross County here? Where's this consistency that we hope to have? 
Well, you are jumping ahead, just as I know you love to do. We are focusing on St Mirren just now. So we'll reel it back in a little bit because we'll get to Kamarnik, we'll get to Ross County. But in terms of St Mirren, so there's another thing that Rab Bright gets onto, and I'm going to speak to Joel quickly about this one. Um, he said there's been a long list of questionable selections and tactics this season. Let's just take yesterday as an example, referring to the St Mirren game. Cammy Devlin, brilliant man in the match performance last week in the middle of the park, gets put out wide right. Kenneth Vargas gets played left when I've seen every minute he's played for Hearts uh, and for me it's obviously so much better playing on the right completely ineffectual on the left and was never in the game yesterday so a couple of points there and I know one that I'm keen to get um, your opinion on here because I've seen a few people mention this and I didn't really understand the way we set out the midfield but at the same time it's not entirely accurate the way some people have said in terms of Cammy Devlin playing wide right is it Joel? No, but I can understand why people who are uh, by fans on one one uh, one like viewing of the game, and especially if they were sat behind the goals, can can think uh, can think that Devon played wide right because it's certainly when the team's uh, set up, it did very much look like Cammy Devlin. If he yeah. wasn't playing wide right, he was playing from the right. So even if he he was tucked in and he was actually he was actually just playing as a. Um, a centre midfielder who was was moved moved to the right side of the the pitch, so he would occasionally go out and combine with Atkinson just because he had to do that because there was no one else on that pitch. But Naismith said afterwards that it, he wasn't playing wide right. He, he wanted to get a a third centre midfielder in there, but yeah. what it did, it just had a knock on effect to the whole team because okay, uh, Hearts are predictable, have been predictable at the best of times this season. It made us even more predictable once St. Mirren figured out okay, they don't have a um they don't have a right side in an attacking sense and all their passing and play is funneled down the left through Stephen Kingsley, uh through Neuenhoff and uh, Rolls had a lot of the ball and then Kenneth Vargas would look to pull to the left and get uh, trying and get in the space behind Ryan Strain and um sorry between Ryan Strain and Marcus Fraser but they were just well marshaled and St Mirren cottoned on to it very very quickly obviously helped by the fact that they scored an early goal so they had a the last thing you want to do against St Mirren is concede an early goal because they are hard to break down at the best of times they were able to just go perfect we've got something to defend we can we can sit we can soak up pressure, and then when the opportunity presents itself, we can pounce. And that's what they did. They waited for the ball to go into midfield when a player didn't have, uh, when one of our players was facing our own goal. They would they they would press, and thankfully we had Benny in there who was really good at evading pressure. But you can see from some like the the, the, the stat stuff afterwards, it was just so obvious that the left hand side was where Hearts looked to try and get through and it just left a really unbalanced lopsided formation it just wasn't I think no coach very few coaches are going to come out and kind of hold their hands up it's not something many coaches do but I think deep down Nace will be thinking right I got that one wrong you had Cammy Devlin as the the guys that you emailed and said had a brilliant game against Aberdeen. Then you've tweaked his position a wee bit. He's not in the heart of the uh, the heart of midfield where he's at his best. And it was it was just wasn't set up to set up to failure, but it wasn't um, the setup which gave Hearts the best chance of success. In some ways, it reminded me of uh, a Robbie Nielsen approach that frustrated me just on that side where. I know he liked to utilise the fact that Callum Patterson had a very good engine mm-hmm. and could get up and down. And I don't know if you remember, there was a period where he 
constantly played the lopsided four four two and kind of Prince Blabin, yeah, yeah, was in that right but not right position. So we had yep. a light, we had like Nicholson or Walker out on the left, and then we had two in the centre and Blabin slightly off the right with Patterson trying to cover. And I understood the logic, but we, I felt mm. like we persisted with it so many times, and it just just for the sheer sake of doing it because Patterson was not bad at getting up and down the park. Yeah, and, um, like, and, on, and against Admirin, the big thing was if you're going to do that, if you're going to um, basically have like a um, uh, kind of like a, a balance of the play and everything was going to the left, you need to be able to switch play quickly and yeah. Hearts didn't really do that or didn't they do that often enough. And then when it did get to Atkinson, there was not really anything anywhere for him to go. So yeah, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't the best. Uh, he also goes on to say, uh, great to see Benny back. He was one of the bright spots yesterday. But again, in my opinion, Ewanhoff played well the week before. Coming on for Haring should have started alongside Devlin. Playing all three left us woefully short on the creative side. Only two of those three start for me. Scott, would you go along with that? Or do you think there's an argument for having the three kind of traditional central midfielders in there who are not all defensive, you know, especially in Ewanhoff, who I think we've seen can carry the ball forward. But can you see why Naismith was trying to get three of them in there, even if it didn't quite work out? I do. I also can understand the fans' frustration as well. And I think what this boils down to is that the fans, because of the, the well-publicised difference in sort of budgets between Hearts and the majority of the teams in the league, the sort of expectation from fans would be that we go and impose our game on the opposition. Now, unfortunately, the historical away form and our recent form in the league domestically this season dictates that maybe we do have to tweak things and we maybe do have to match teams up in terms of their sort of driving their energy in the middle of the park. So I do understand why Naismith went with that decision to sort of play the, you know, the three players centrally ac across the middle of the park. I just think the problem was is that there was then quite a, a huge gap between those three and then the sort of forward three. Uh, and that's that's a sort of gap that we seem to plug uh, pretty well last night. So that seemed to be the bigger problem out of it was that there was no sort of proper number 10 in there. And that was a bigger issue than, you know, the free central starting. Again, I understand where he comes from, but also understand the frustration of the fans because there's a there is that expectation that we should be imposing ourselves. But unfortunately at the moment, it, you know, we're not getting results. So maybe he just felt that matching them in the midfield was going to be the you know the the, the best uh, best sort of solution to that. It seems the there was a lot of discussion before the game about what this system was going to be and was it going to be um, a 4-2-3-1 when Neuenhoff played in that number 10 role again. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Or was it was it going to be um, a 4-3 with Vargas and Boyce playing as uh, quote-unquote wide players? And then a few people suggested it could be 4-3-1-2 and so you'd have the three centre midfielders and you'd have Boyce in behind Vargas and Shankland. That seemed, to me, that seemed... Looking ahead of the match, that seemed potentially the best solution was that that's had a nice balance. Yes, it was narrow, so there was a lot of onus on the wing backs to provide width. But that the the, the balance of Boyce or Shankland dropping in and Fargas running in behind would um, would have made more sense. Uh, but I do understand that there's not a lot of space to run in behind, uh, uh, certainly against the middle. 
it's the one thing that, and I've mentioned it before on, on podcasts, and I sometimes look at our team and I look at the way we approach games, and there is that pressure from Hearts fans and Aberdeen and Hibs fans in the same sort of way to to beat all these teams in the league pretty much home and away and certainly against the others. So when Hearts, Aberdeen and Hibs play each other to be winning their home games and maybe getting something away from home and to be competitive against Rangers and Celtic. Um, and they're in this tricky position, I think, sometimes, Mark, you know, our, ourselves and those other two, where we do have a bigger budget than the likes of St Mirren. But we don't have a bigger budget that you can go out and buy players that are so technically superior to this opposition that you can have 70% possession against a low block team and you know consistently break them down it's it, you know Celtic can sometimes do that but even that sometimes falls apart Rangers can maybe do it but we've seen them struggle to implement it do we kind of overestimate how we can perform in games like this you know and you, and you know Kai Roses has difficulties I think Frankie Kent has been a good signing but he's a very sort of traditional old fashioned center back do we have the players? I think that's the question you were asking before to try and do this. And if not, is that a recruitment issue? Is it a coaching issue for not, I guess, adjusting our approach accordingly? Depends on the structure of the football club. Some football clubs, the manager picks the players. Um, Hearts is a little bit different. The manager identifies areas of the pitch that he feels um, could be strengthened and tells the sporting director, or so we're led to believe in the sporting director, gets to work, then puts a list to the manager. And that seems to be the way that it works under Stephen Naismith, under Frankie McAvoy, under Robbie Nielsen. That's the structure of the football club. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but we seem to hear a fair bit or see quite a bit of Frankie McAvoy. Sorry, not Frankie McAvoy, my bad. Joe Savage, when everything seems to be rosy in the garden, or when it was, but he's kind of gone to ground. Of, of late. I, I think it would be nice if um, if Joe Savage or if the football club was willing to put um, Joe Savage up for one of the Hearts podcasts. It doesn't have to be this one. Uh, I know he's spoken to, to one of them before. And and just to answer the questions, because it's easy to throw, to throw mud and it's easy for that mud to stick, but you've got to ask the right questions. And if the right questions are asked, it gives them an opportunity to provide the answers rather than just assumptions from us and from others that, oh, it's got to be the recruitment or after that, it's got to be the manager. So I think I think right now, as, as far as the football club is concerned, you've got two choices. One, you can protest all you want or because it just seems like that protest or whatever it is, is, is just bubbling under. It's just ready to come to the surface and and one result keeps it there for another couple of weeks but there's going to come a time if we lose two or three back to back that the fans are going to start doing something about it for me we need to get behind Stephen Naismith at the moment and the reason for that is I don't think we can trust the current board of Heart of Midlothian to appoint the correct successor they've had several chances in recent years they got it right with Robbie Nielsen um, but I don't think they've got it right on other occasions so it's, it's easy. I mean, I did Mallorca-Barcelona yesterday. Barcelona were shite, right? They got away with a two-all draw. Mallorca put everything into it. It was very much St. Mirren against Hearts, St. Mirren with all the battling and everything like that, but against a supposedly better side. That's another thing. That I like how you've managed to go, go from criticising how bad Hearts. Hearts are to comparing them to Barcelona. Well, 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 yeah. For, from a Hearts perspective here, um, the reason I say get behind Stephen A. Smith, it's, it's, what's the alternative? What's the alternative do we have right now? Manager out, 
Well, then what's, what problem does that solve? Another person comes in, and if the recruitment's still shite, you can only piss with the cock you've got. And apologies for the, the, the kind of graphic reference, but it's true. So I think there's an element of, of there's the board at fault for some things. There's Joe Savage at fault for other things and his team. I think there's a big um, part that the coaching staff uh, have got wrong over the past few weeks and a couple of months as well. So we can't keep going one result, although that keeps it just bubbling under for the time being. We have to have some semblance of unity. And if that unity is everybody trying to get together, whether there's a split in the board, them kind of um, kissing and making up, whether there's... It's just patience that's required because in any football team, but there's chaos in Barcelona right now after they drew with Mallorca. There was chaos in Madrid at the weekend after they were beaten by Atleti. That's don't even, the world don't even talk about right Ajax. Now. <laughs> no, well, exactly. That's the world that we live in right now. It's like, sack the board, sack the manager, get rid. Let's just settle down a little bit. Let's have everybody in the right direction ahead of Ross County away on Saturday. And who don't knows? let anyone know about Ajax because it kind of worked. Well, for their, no, for I don't purpose. want people tearing up Tyne Castle. I, no, neither do I, but I'm just saying it, it actually don't worked. Even, don't even introduce that. Let's try and have, after a victory against Kilmarnock, let's try and have everybody singing harmoniously Kumbaya from the same hymn sheet because there'll be, as I said before, there's plenty time to get stuck in about them after a yet another defeat. This isn't the time. This is the Wednesday after a League Cup win. We've secured our place at Hamden. Of course, there's issues at the football club, but right now, let's have, if we can, a little bit of unity and forget about protests right now or whatever. Let's just all sing from the same hymn sheet, please. Yeah. And when everything's working well, it's the it's the singing that then becomes the, uh, the hot topic. So <laughs> we, won't even, eyes, it? <laughs> we won't even get to that, but we'll crack on and we'll move oh, on. Hearts yeah. now having lost five of the last six matches in all competitions after a disappointing defeat in Paisley, it moved on to a League Cup game. So let's let's get past the negative for now. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Okay, so disappointment in Paisley. Hearts then had to make this slightly longer journey across to Rugby Park for a Viaplay Cup quarter-final against Kilmarnock. Let's have a quick listen back to the action from that one now. Devlin trying to win it back, almost drops the Forest, battling with the Lions. Kelly get it clear. Picked up there by Kai Rolls, midway inside the Kelly half. Rolls, Shanklin, back to Grant, right foot shot. Yeah! Come on! It's been coming, and it's George Grant with his first start of the season. Lovely flowing move at the edge of the box for Hearts, and George Grant just strokes it in right footed into the bottom right corner. Hearts deserve that, it's Kilmarnock nil. Hart to Midlothian 1. Liam Boyce with him. Blocked, but it comes back to Liam Boyce in the area. Going towards the byline, cuts it back. Lowry, first touch. Alex Lowry, right for shot. Yes! Yes! Alex Lowry off the bench! Yes! First real touch of the game! And he's knocked it into the bottom right corner in the second of four added minutes. What a time to get your first Hearts goal! Drills it low past the despairing Killy goalkeeper and defenders. And the Hearts fans jubilant in the rain in the Chadwick end. Kilmarnock 1, Hearts 2. And just like 
Six years ago, it looks like we've had some real drama at the end. So, Tuesday night was certainly a lot better for those of a maroon persuasion than Saturday afternoon was. Let's just rewind a little bit from the action and get to the team itself ahead of this game. Three changes for Stephen Naismith for the match against Killy. Atkinson, Benny Beningame and Liam Boyce out. Atkinson, of course, now injured. And Beningame and Boyce, you would likely think, wouldn't have been risked from the start, possibly because of the synthetic surface. In came Civic Forest and a first start of the season for George Grant. So Hearts went Clark and goals, Civic right, Kingsley left, Kent and uh, Rolls in the centre. Devlin and Ewenhoff sitting, Vargas, Grant, Forrest supporting Shankland. So Joel looking at the starting 11, a little bit easier to predict the basic shape of this one. How did you feel given the available personnel when you saw who was starting on that cold, wet night at Rugby Park? I was intrigued and, yeah, I was pretty content. I was uh, surprised by George Grant's inclusion just because we uh, we know that he has been on the fringes. He started Stephen Aismith's first game at Hibs and then since then he hadn't started a game. He was allowed to, essentially, if someone came in for him in the summer, he was allowed to allowed to go. That was kind of widely widely known, but nothing really mater- nothing materialised in the end. So... It's good to it was good to have him in because he has a, a couple of sub appearances where you thought right he is willing to get on the ball and play forward. The team as a whole just looked like it had a much better balance to it. You, you looking at it, you're like right, we've got a clear idea of what we're doing here, and I suppose that's that's a big thing with if, if fans are thinking that players there's a good chance players are thinking that as well when you mm-hmm. see the team at uh, against St Mirren. Players might uh, subconsciously just going. Is that the best? Is, is is that the best way to go about it? Whereas against Kilmarnock, he couldn't really make an argument for uh, for anyone. I know James Forrest. Uh, sorry, I always do that. Uh, Alan Forrest. Um, Don't worry, I've been yeah. there. <laughs> uh, Al, uh, Alan Forrest didn't have the the best of games, but you can see why he was brought in, having had a positive impact off the bench against Aberdeen, and at least he provides a bit of directness. He'll get to the byline, whereas uh, Vargas is probably want to get more central. So, yeah, it had, it had a nice balance to it and he still had options off the bench to change things. Yeah, another one who, who got a start, Mark, was Callum Newenhoff, who it hasn't quite got going for Hearts, but I thought he, he did well against Aberdeen. And he just gives something a little bit extra, doesn't he? he got, he's a bit more dynamic than Peter Haring. Yeah, he is. His, his, his movement is um, is better, and Scott's been been calling on on him to just play in his his right position. And he wears the number eight, Scott, and it's clear he's not a ten. But is he more of an eight than a six, or more of a six than an eight? And do you play him as the two with the other defensive midfielder, or can you play him in that kind of eight role that isn't the ten role? I think he is. I think he is probably more of an an eight than a six. Uh, particularly based on what I've seen of him now over the last couple of games. He's probably the the one central midfielder that's capable of carrying the ball forward. So not just, you know, recycling the ball in the way that Benny can, intercepting or pressing the game like Devlin. He looks pretty comfortable in the ball. He doesn't have any sort of burst of pace, so to speak, but he is 
pretty decent at carrying it maybe five, ten yards up the park and, you know, getting the team further up the park with him. Uh, I think in terms of where he can play or where I'd like to see him play, I've been saying this a couple of times to a couple of my mates since the Aberdeen game, and there was a lot of sort of uh, criticism of the, the style of play and the formation that Aberdeen played. I don't think it was the formation and style of play that was the problem. It was the fact that they didn't have the right players to suit that formation. And they wanted to play Clarkson and McGrath in that sort of uh, attacking midfield berth where they were expecting them to maybe contest for the second balls when they were dropping down after playing sort of back to front so often. I think that there's an opportunity for Hearts to do that with the likes of Devlin and Neuenhoff playing just in front of Benny and having Benny just doing what he can do in terms of retaining possession, sort of recycling it and also sort of being, you know, good at intercepting as well and sort of providing that cover for the back four. So it is something I'd maybe like to see us do in future, particularly in games where we may have to go back to front if we're finding it hard to uh, sort of deal with that low block that some of these sort of teams will tend to deploy particularly at Tynecastle, having Devlin and Neuenhoff play both as sort of advanced states might be something uh, that could sort of yield some success for us. Laurie, given that Stephen Naismith just loves a 4-2-3-1, and yes, he's changed it to a three during games, you started by talking about the St Mirren formation with Devlin kind of playing in that uh, centre-right position that didn't really work. If we're playing Neuenhoff, if we're playing Benigamy, and if we're playing Devlin, in the same lineup, can we play a four-two-three-one if Newenhoff's not a ten? I, I I think part of me does feel like we get caught up in the formation more than we should, and it's kind of down to the the approach and how we then um, use the ball and our kind of uh, how we try and play on the front foot and the transition and how we get the ball forward. Um, I, I suppose the only thing I would think of more would be when you look at certain players in their best positions. Um, for instance, Toby Sibick, what's his best position? I'd probably say it's the right side of a back three. Kai Rolls, did he look better in the left side of a back three than he did when he's having to play in a two? I would probably say on the left of it. Um, and that's where maybe we've shown some weaknesses at times this season. Atkinson potentially being out obviously is an issue, but Odell Ofaya is back and available. Um, how you then play further forward in that is is another question, but we'll, I, I will get to that later in the game and I'll, I'll get some thoughts on obviously Hearts and how they adjusted in the game. One thing that Scott was mentioning there that I want to get some feedback from Joel on was in terms of a different, a different type of approach and going back to front um, quicker. And it, and it was very evident early on at Rugby Park, wasn't it, Joel, that Hearts were going to get it forward quicker and they were going to play trying to get in off the shoulder and they were also going to try and play for that second ball that Scott mentioned and it was you could see early on oh it wasn't like Hearts were creating chance after chance but it was getting them much further up the park wasn't it oh yeah that's the it was I mean it was a very very low barrier but in terms of domestic games if you exclude uh, Partick Thistle it was probably the best start to games best first half we've we've had in with in terms of the um, the the attitude and mentality going into the game, the, there was so much more purpose, there was so much uh, more energy. There was bodies being committed forward, and yeah, it's it was it was good to see that sometimes we're just going right, you know, knock it long. Even though Kilmarnock, I've got four centre backs playing across the back four, they're going to win the ball. But then 
when it drops, you have the ability to win it back quickly and gain some territory. You don't want to just launch it 90 minutes against Kilmarnock because they'll just they'll, they'll just gobble up. But every now and then where you, you, you maybe try and t- um, kind of tempt them out of their shape and then you knock over the midfield and it gets them turning and it gets allows you to put up and uh, push up and win pressure on the ball. And you saw that with the, with the, with the first goal. We wanted to be positive. We wanted to play forward and it didn't work with Muenhoff. But then it got kind of recycled. Kai Rose got onto it, stepped in, uh, stepped deep into the Kelly half, and then played into Grant, who was very supportive of of Shanklin. But there was a lot of movement and pace around Shanklin. Then we kind of mentioned afterwards how Kilmarnock struggled to cope early on, and certainly the first half with Vargas and Shanklin's movement. And you had Grant, who was I think knitted all together. He's a more dynamic player. I think he's um, more uh, more dynamic player than than Boyce. He'll he'll make different. I think he makes different runs than Boyce. Sometimes it's frustrating to see Boyce and Shanklin because I think they're they're two very intelligent players, and in certain games I think you can play them beside each other, but they. Do a lot of a lot of things very similarly. Yeah, the goal was uh, it was a great way for for Hearts to get ahead, and it was deserved at the time. Newenhoff, uh, as you mentioned, driving forward from midfield. Then when it broke, you got to credit Kai Rolls as well. He's come under criticism, maybe defensively, still had some tough moments against a a very tough competitor in Vassell, who I'm sure Joel will want to heap some praise on. I know he likes that type of player. Uh, but he did really well to read the game this time, get ahead of Vassell, you know, playing on that front foot, playing the pass into Shankland. And it's the type of thing that I think Shankland is really good at that people maybe sometimes underestimate. It's just that little cushion to George Grant. And I don't know if it's because Shankland himself is a good finisher and an attacking player, but he sometimes seems to really know exactly how to knock it back to a teammate or how to put it into their path so they've got a good chance on goal. And a nice finish by George Grant. And it just showed, Scott, that you don't need to necessarily try and play 15, 20 passes. We can't all be Airdrionians and and pass out from the back and play through your opposition uh, to create wonderful goals. If you want to know what I'm referencing, get on Twitter. There is a very good goal from Airdrie. But, um, just skip so- past the first 45 seconds because they're boring. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but sometimes it is a case of getting the ball forward and you can still score some decent goals. If you get into that final third, it doesn't necessarily have to come from the back, does it? No, and this goes back to the, the conversation that we were having a little earlier about expectations of the fans and, and maybe what we can do or can achieve given the, the sort of uh, imbalance from a financial perspective between ourselves and teams like Kelly and St Mirren. F- for me, what you need to be doing in these types of matches is first of all matching their endeavour and their drive and their energy and then what that advantage of having the, the albeit slightly higher financial uh, sort of advantage can bring to you is that you should have more match winners in your team. Mm-hmm. So you can mix it up a little bit in terms of your style of play. You can go a little bit back to front. You can also mix it up. You can play from the back as well if you need to and sort of keep them thinking. But ultimately, if you've got the likes of Grant, Shankland, and then you've got the likes of Boyce and Lowry that can come off the bench, you should hope that in those moments, if you get enough opportunities or time spent in their box, that these guys can come up trumps for you. And I think that's something that the club and the management team need to sort of come to try and sort of come to terms with. I think this whole system with playing it for the back, playing in, you know, inverted full backs and that, for me, it's not working. And what I quite liked about last night was that we were willing to mix it up. 
a respect that maybe we need to look at last night in isolation slightly because it was a cup tie and therefore Kilmarnock were maybe not playing with the same sort of low block. Their game management was certainly not what it should be, especially if, you know, when we come on to discuss the second goal and the gaps at the back for them. But I would like to see us maybe deploy that system again uh, on Saturday where we're looking to get the, you know, the ball forward as much as possible. We've got the likes of Devlin and Neuenhoff trying to sort of get a hold of the second ball and then we're sort of feeding off the scrap, so to speak. Because if we do that, then guys like Grant and Lowry and Shankwood will definitely get their opportunities. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just just me who thinks that. I, thinks I don't think it is. But when you talk about style of play, identity, philosophy, I always think that the Hearts should, at the very base, so you've got your foundation, and it's to be physical, big physical Hearts. People used uh, used almost used that as a criticism of Hearts. Heart should have heart should wear that as as a, as a badge of honour because the hearts mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of times this year it's not a hearts I recognise and the hearts I recognise is a hearts team is built on being confrontational, being aggressive, being direct, being um, being tribal almost, and that they're an absolute nightmare to play against. We've not been a nightmare to play against for a long time now. It's that where you've got that. Um, you've got that grit and determination, and you're just um, you're just physical. You, you're happy to mix it, as as as, as Scott said. You can go along, and you, you've got different options. And now we've got a a club which is um, on sound footing. Can allows you, you should be able to build that identity. You should see that 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 that's hearts. And now we have match winners, but also having that um, players like maybe uh, because we've got better finance. Players, better players than Vassell, but does a similar job to Vassell because that's the type of striker I think Hearts always need. And when we're at Tynecastle, again, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here that very few people want us to see, want to see what Airdrie did against Rafe Rovers and have all those passes around the back. I want a Hearts team to play it quicker and be more direct. I'm not just saying just uh, just launch it to a striker or launch it in behind, but I mean getting the ball and passing it forward. And it's almost something mind Gary Naismith said when under Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown as a fullback, they hated him passing it back or passing it sideways if he always had to go forward. And I think that is the that's the identity for me for Hearts is that it's aggressive, it's direct, you go forward and if you lose a ball, that's fine. I don't want 60% possession. If it's 48% possession, but we are up and at them and then the faces of the opposition winning the ball back out of the pitch and attacking, that's that's a Hearts side I recognise. Getting back to Kelly Hearts game specifically in the second half, Joel, it, it, did, it did turn a little bit in the second period and although Hearts were the better side in the first and I think deserved the lead, Kelly would deserve their leveller, which came on 67 minutes. Matthew Kennedy's cross. Uh, Vassell was involved in the build-up. Lions with that header. Um, it did feel like a, a change in momentum in the second period. Now, were some c- concerns here for Hearts at the back again in terms of how readily Killy were getting in behind them in the second period? Yeah, I think so. I think, again, Rose having been told to be aggressive against Aberdeen and stepped up. He's he struggled the last two games on that side with Olasanya and then and Vassell. I think it was um, Naismith got a wee bit of uh, there was a wee bit of question marks so from changing to a back three just because fans have seen him do it before. But I think it was a smart decision after losing that goal because it gave the defence a bit more 
height and solidity and less space for Vassell to run in between Kent and Kent and Rose. Now we had a now we had a third uh, a third person, and he his his influence waned. It was still not great in terms of uh midfield to attacking performance until very very late on, and you got the feeling that Hearts were beginning to get a bit leggy. I do think that Cami Devlin was was missed uh, big time. Yeah. I think had him, and then had him picked up and a, a booking early on and. Harren at the best of times, as we mentioned, the kind of the, the mobility aspect is is something that it's uh, it, it's becoming problematic. But then when he's on a booking, it's it becomes even more difficult. Newenhoff got uh, got in a booking, so you're, you're you're kind of just thinking right, it's going to be very safe in midfield, and it's going players are going to get uh, really deep. And there was a concern that if it did go to extra time, that Kelly might have had the upper hand. It didn't go to extra time. However, despite Kelly being um, on top in the second period, a, a few things to touch on, Mark. I want to before we get to the the wonderful winning goal. To be fair, to Stephen Nesmith, he does change things up. You know, six minutes after the goal, Odell Fire comes on. Hearts go to a back three. Fire going into right wing back. Sibic, as I mentioned, going to roll, which I think is possibly his best position, which is into the right side of the back three. Um, later on in the game as well. He put Boyce on with eight minutes to go for Grant and then at a time he put on Benny Beningamy and Alex Lowry. Uh, plenty of criticism this season for Stephen Naismith. A lot of it very deserved for, for certain things in games, but I think you have to give him some credit for being proactive in this game as well, don't you? Hmm. Spoken before about how hard it is to change one's mind the older one gets. We all have and maybe had players that we'd made our mind up about early and that was it. No matter what they did, we'd grudgingly say, I suppose, if the, if the player scores from 35 yards, a la Willie Jameson against Celtic all those years ago. And with regards to Stephen Naismith last night, there will be some that do not want, under any circumstances, him to be the head coach of Hart Midlothian Football Club and would still look for, yeah, buts on the end of a positive. That, we're not asking... For those people to change that that's the way it is we're all guilty of having made wrong decisions um in our lives and just refusing to back down where we've we've doubled down so from a stephen naismith perspective yeah of, of course he deserves praise it's not like we're always looking for how can we turn this praise and make it into a into a negative there seems to be a flexibility um that stephen naismith has during games and an identification that if something isn't working okay as you've just said Right, we'll, we'll make changes. Now, I, I don't know what you three have heard. Um, the suggestion was it was the doctor um, that didn't want Cami Devlin going out for the second half after a head knock last week and then another head knock in the first half. And that certainly affected Hearts with Peter Haring coming on for Devlin, Ophaya coming on for Forrest, as you say, Boyce coming on for Grant, and then the two late ones, which ultimately Lowry for Vargas was the main one. So, yeah, I think Stephen Naismith has an ability to see things during games and, and change things. And the other thing as well, in, in his defence, we, we do get stuck on this kind of, oh, it's a 4-2-3-1. How many different formations do football teams play in one game of football? You might start with one, and the minute that the ball is kicked um, to begin a game, the formations change and they adapt. So, yes, it's, it's how you can adapt to that. And we've seen him play three at the back in certain times. And it's, it's easy to have a go. And having a go is thoroughly deserved when you produce pish 
like Hearts did at, at, at St Mirren. And, and Lauren Shanklin was awful at St Mirren. I've, I've spoken to two or three people on WhatsApp groups after that game saying, is it time to give Lauren Shanklin a rest? Lauren Shanklin's probably involved in both the, gale, uh, the goals at, at Kilmarnock as our captain. So <laughs> it's difficult right now because we're, we've set a bar and that bar probably up until, what, last February? Um, has not been achieved or has not been achieved on a consistent basis. So, yes, Stephen Naismith deserves stick when we get it wrong. But, yes, I think you're right. He deserves praise when he gets it right. Just just whilst we're on this, just with regards yeah. to the substitutions and the, the tweaking of the system, I'm going to be honest. When I saw that change of the system, I was dreading extra time. Uh, the reason being was that we pretty much decided to play three centre-halves up against one centre-forward. Uh, centre which meant that we were maybe going to be conceding possession in the centre midfield. We'd taken off our, our two sort of most direct uh, sort of pacey options up front as well. So my concern was going to be that we were going to be conceding territory for a good half an hour and basically trying to defend manfully against you know an onslaught. He sort of set plays and corners from, from Kilmarnock. So, I mean, the goal was definitely welcome because I was very concerned with how that team were going to sort of manage another half an hour. Again, we mentioned that Harren was already on a booking. You were going to have Harren and Lowry and sort of Denny playing that sort of midfield three with Boyce and Shanklin up top. My concern would have been how were we going to be, you know, quickly transitioning from defence to attack with that that sort of system last night. So the goal was definitely welcome because it would have been interesting to see how that would have uh, sort of progressed over that half an hour spell. Before we move on, we do have to mention the goal. And and to get to the goal, I'm just going to check the Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, the word bundle, now the word bundle, uh, it says one of the definitions here for the word bundle, informal to push, carry, or send forcibly, hastily, and unceremoniously. Um, an interesting word. And if you look at the Kilmarnock Twitter page uh, at around, let's see what time they posted, 9.38pm <laughs> on Tuesday night. Goal for hearts, Alex Lowry bundles the ball home in injury time. I can provide some context here, Laurie. I spoke. I spoke to the. Um, I spoke to the Kelly guy afterwards, and he, he actually apologized. Apologized to me. I was like, I'm not offended by it, but he apologized to me just because it's one of those where uh, he was working at the game, so he's he's doing a couple of different things at once. And he, all he did was he just looked up and he saw that Lowry had scored, and he just saw a he just saw a Kelly a Kelly player on the floor on the line. Sorry, on the ground on the line, and he just uh, he just kind of just assumed that he just bundled in. So it was uh, it was very much guesswork guesswork that went wrong. <laughs> it was I, I was not offended. I, I actually highly enjoyed when I saw it, and I enjoyed the reactions. Uh, you know, it should I be, she should have let into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of the goal, um, as bundled strikes go, Mark Donaldson, it was it was not bad. <laughs> It was a good one as well, wasn't it? You're thinking, have a shot. No, have a shot now, have a shot. There was actually, before he got the ball, um, there was a chance, I thought, maybe to get a shot off um, ahead of time, but that never happened either. Whether it was Shankland or Boyce, whoever it was, I can't remember exactly, but you thought, this this is it, this could be it. And then you thought, when Lowry has it, shoot, no, and then he takes it inside. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. When, when you look at a season, and see, what is it, nine, ten months, Decisions are made, 
All right. So go back to the decision with George Grant. It wasn't even good enough to get into the Hearts European squad. And and now he plays a big part in, in the game at Kilmarnock. Um, it's easy to criticise, but at, at the time it, it was felt that he wasn't um, what we were required. I mean, it's not like if, if George Grant had been available for those European games having been named in the squad that we'd currently be playing group stage football. But things things happen. Things happen. And if that substitution hadn't been made and Alex Lowry's another unused sub, he's starting to get pissed off. Fans are like, well, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do much. But now it's given him impetus. And he he's got to he has got to put himself in the in the the kind of window for window of opportunity for for Saturday at, at Ross County, and it now means that four of Hearts last five wins against Kilmarnock have come at Rugby Park. It's kind of the the polar opposite of of Hearts and Aberdeen, isn't it? Form uh, last four of the League Cup for the first time now since twenty nineteen. We'll get to the draw at the end of the episode, but a decent result for Hearts, more than decent away to a team that have already beaten Rangers and Celtic on home. I was going to say home soil, but on on home turf this season so far. And Hearts bundle their way through to a semi-final, which is always nice. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. I do want to get to the League Cup trot very shortly, which is... a about to be made and we're going to have a little bit of a reaction to that but beforehand I just want to spend a few minutes looking ahead um, to Ross County at the weekend and maybe generally now what what do hearts take from this you know, disappointing performance and result against St Mirren a decent performance at Rugby Park especially the first half and a very good result uh, now what they need is to follow this up and they're going to a ground that they've actually done pretty well at on their travels now 10 games unbeaten in Dingwall, it's a ground they've traditionally done well at generally, in fact. Five wins there, uh, six draws and two defeats from their previous visits. Joel, what do you want to see from Hearts on Saturday to try and carry this on? Is this going to be a springboard for the rest of the season or is it another false dawn? It has to, it has to, be, it has to be a springboard because you get all the good work of Kamarak and if you were to throw it away by losing to Ross County. It just it, it just puts it all back into flux and everyone's talking uh, talking about Naysmith and then you're going into the Derby on such a such a low web. So it's it's so important now that the, the team begin to put in a string of results together. See even if it was even if it was a draw <laughs> Reluctant to say this because I don't want to go to Ross County and go, oh, I draw. But if they went to Ross County and played a brilliant game, but somehow unluckily got a draw, then you'd all, I was going to say, you'd, you'd almost accept it. You wouldn't accept it. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be annoying and frustrating. But at least if there's there's signs and performances that are, are getting better and the players are, are, are getting into it, you, you could kind of take that. But hearts have to go at Ross County and win. Ross County are not a good side, I don't think. I think they've got good attackers. I watched them against Aberdeen at the weekend. I think they've got problems in defence, and they were they were playing Conor Randall in centre midfield. That's 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 a position they're in at the moment. That that gives you an idea that you should go there and and and, and dominate and be the better side. It doesn't quite uh, work out like that. So 
it's important that we go there and play with the same uh, play with the same uh, kind of purpose that we did in the first half against Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock were poor, and I think it was because we made them poor because we uh, played with a bit more urgency, a bit more intensity. So I want to see that replicated against Ross County. And like you said, we've got options now. Big concern with Ross County is their their forward line. I'm not sure how Malcolm Mackay will how set up after uh, tonight's game as well. Um, kind of back looks like back to back defeats to Aberdeen. Jordan White's an issue because he has a type of striker that uh, maybe someone struggle with. Just a, a big yep, deep pole, just a bit. He's, he's, he's effective, he's he's big, he can challenge in the air. And then you've got Simon Murray, who has similar qualities to, um, I was going to say Vassell, but he's, he, he can run in behind, he'll put himself about. So they're a handful. Aside from that, I think that there is not too much to be concerned about. Okay, here's a quiz for the three of you. Okay, you're allowed one answer each. Former heart striker Gary Glenn came on as a substitute for which winger at Ross County the last time Ross County won at home to Hearts on the 21st of September 2013? Scott, you can guess first. So which Ross County player he came on for? Yes, he was off on the bench, Gary Glenn. He came on for a Ross County winger. Who was that? Marvin DeLue. Who got the equalising goal, but it wasn't. He also came on. Okay. Uh, Laurie? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess it's some significance about it. Um, I can remember the game. It's Callum Patterson scored for Hearts, and then we chucked it away late on. We were 1-0 mm-hmm. up till latter stages. I have no idea. I've just, I'm, I'm going to guess there's some kind of Hearts link here, though. Joe? Um, if there's a Hearts link... Um... Don't necessarily go on that, Joe, but that's don't, what I'm guessing. Don't. Trust me, don't. Okay, don't go on okay. a, go on a Hearts link. Um I don't. Something makes me want to say Ivan Sproul. I'm sure he was. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, okay. I, I just totally forgotten he's so, gone there. And why are you asking me this? Just as a quiz to see you. You remember everything okay. else? But I, I okay. cannot remember him even playing there. Edit this out, maybe. Don't. I just got a, a, a great question, right? <laughs> okay, I'll leave it in just for you, Joel. But other than that, um, an absolute pointless uh, segue there. I didn't so, have one so far in the, so, in the show this week, so I have to throw well, one in well, now. Speak for yourself. Um, 12, 12 games now undefeated against Ross County, Mark. And the last time they met, um, Stephen Naismith's biggest win, 6-1, they spanked County at Tynecastle. It's a fixture the Hearts have done well in uh, against a County team who have been struggling. What do you expect to see on Saturday? And why not give us a prediction as well while you're at it? I have no idea what I expect to see. Because Hearts are, are they're basically, with when you've got form like Hearts are showing, no one can say with any certainty how Hearts are going to perform. If you're going by recent results, then the suggestion would be a defeat because it's win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. That's the way it's been recently. And we won in midweek. I don't think we, we lose this one. I think we win this one. I think defensively they are not very good. And I, I think this will be a... I don't know why, but I think Hearts will score from a set piece. I don't know who it'll be. I think Hearts will win 2-1 in this game. And I think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick with the old pride and test. And even though he hasn't been great of late, Lawrence Shankland in a Hearts 2-1 win with the other goal coming from a set piece. Fair enough, Scott. How about yourself? 4-0 Ross County. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm feeling reasonably confident 
uh, for Saturday. I think, you know, Joel's hit the, the nail on the head. You know, the, their level is the fact that they're having to play Conor Randall in centre midfield just now. And as much as he was a, a decent servant to us for 12 months in that sort of full-back position, we saw enough of him to suggest that he was certainly not a central midfielder. Uh, so that is an area of the park that we've predominantly been struggling with in away fixtures that we can maybe, you know, impose ourselves on uh, when it comes to Saturday. Saturday's such a big match because what we don't want to be doing here is getting into some sort of cycle similar to what Hibs had under Lee Johnson this calendar year where it was two or three games away from a crisis and then he would get a result. You know, he would get that one result and then it would be back to you know, another couple of games where they didn't turn up and then he would get a result. I really don't want that to be happening with Hearts just now where we get the odd big result in European and, and sort of cup games, but domestically in the league, we're still struggling in between. So it'd be great if we could build that momentum uh, from last night and sort of take it into Saturday. I'm going to say 2-0 Hearts. Uh, mm -hmm. I did notice that Jordan White's on the bench tonight, so I'm hoping that continues on Saturday because he does have a a nasty habit he's scoring against us. And as much as Simon Murray's a pest, I think that Rose and Kent can deal with him on the deck. Uh, so Jordan White would be the bigger the bigger threat out of those two, to be perfectly honest. So I'm going to say 2-0 Hearts, and I'm going to say Bargas is going to eventually get his first goal in the room. How about you, Joel? Shanklin 4-1. That's the half standard. <laughs> I just, I just want, I just want, I want this, I want this uh, see us go. I'm still, still on a high from, yeah, from uh, Tuesday night. But I, I want to see us go to uh, an away ground, just we did. We we dug out a win on Tuesday. I want us to go to Ross County and just put in a really kind of arrogant, dominant performance from Hearts and just like we're better than you. Uh, we we dominated in possession territory and just uh, kind of just sweep them aside and just build into that confidence and momentum going into the, the, the derby. I can't believe you think we'll concede. That's a disgrace, honestly. First Scott, now you. Right, Dan, sir. What you got for us? I had it in my head already. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say three-one to Hearts. I'm still not entirely confident on us to keep a clean sheet. But uh, Scott's already mentioned Vargas, and he's kind of the one I'm going with in recent weeks. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep plugging away at that, dying for him to get his first goal, and I'm gonna keep those vibes going. So I'm gonna say Vargas to get his first goal, three-one Hearts. So. We're all in agreement, a clean sweep for Hearts wins, which probably doesn't bode mm. well, unfortunately, for the men in maroon, given recent history of this podcast. But, you know, what the hell? It, it's good to have some semblance of optimism. Right, before we go, we just wanted to very quickly talk about the League Cup semi-final draw, which was just made. Um, thank you to Scott for joining us earlier. He could make it to this part of the podcast we are recording just a little bit after the previous recording uh, which is why mark is also now in the car on his phone so slightly reduced quality but we'll have a very quick chat because hearts have just been drawn in that viable cup semi-final against rangers with hibs and aberdeen in the other tie this is for the 4th and 5th of november the dates for the semi-final and Hearts drawn against Rangers at Hampden Park, aside in 18 previous games at the National Stadium, they have failed to win. Last time they were in the semi-final of this competition, they played Rangers and they lost 3-0. That was back in 2019. Uh, slightly daunting draw, Joel? 
it's not as daunting, not as daunting um, if we'd been drawn against Rangers. That maybe this type. I was going to say last year, but they were struggling under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. No, it's not as daunting as a, a draw against Rangers would normally be, just because they aren't in a great position at the moment. There's a lot of criticisms levelled at Michael Beale that Hearts fans level at Stephen Naismith. I think these the thing about them. Michael Beale was maybe more so than Naismith. He wants to have a lot of control, and a lot of times you're just thinking it's quite a safe formation. And I don't think Rangers fans enjoy the football that's been that's been played. So it's not it's not all rosy at Ibrox. So it's not not the worst time to face them. Yes, the caveat is we don't face them until the start of November. So a lot can happen, but it's. Um, it's they at the moment. If Rangers at the moment are, are are more than beatable, and they're certainly there for the taking. It's just um, as you mentioned, our record against Rangers is, is is not the greatest. Out of the three, out of the three draws, I wanted Aberdeen. I really want to play Aberdeen at Hamden Park. I just think that would be well. It's a semi final or final. I think it'd just be a great occasion. Hibs. I was speaking to a friend earlier on today about it, and we've played. We went. I don't know, it felt like um, two, three decades without playing Hibs at Hamden, maybe longer, and we've just played them so much recently, and you're just thinking it's it's maybe lost its, um, uh, it's, it's, it's lost the prestige it did have before, you're just if you're just going to be drawing them all the time. So, uh, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Mark, how about you? Uh, you have to go back to 1965 for the last time Hearts beat Rangers in the League Cup. I'm the bringer of doom just now. Are you feeling cautiously mm. optimistic as well, though? I think it's very difficult to win any cup competition without meeting and beating one of the old firm. We've actually done it. We did it in 2012, but it is pretty rare. So the likelihood is you're going to have to face them at some time. And I'm with Joel. I don't think this is a special Rangers side. I think this is um, it's an OK Rangers side. But I think the majority of Rangers fans wouldn't be too unhappy if Michael Beale was, uh, was emptied from the football club. I watched um, the second half of their game against Livingston that's not long finished, and, and Livy had already given up the ghost, so I don't think you can read too much into that one. It's actually a draw that, to be honest, I wasn't overly fussed about who we got because Hearts can be any of these three on their day, and Hearts could lose to any of these three. Um, if they have a, a bad one as well. So it's not like there's usually a draw and you're like, please, not them, not them, anybody but them. For me, there wasn't, that wasn't the case this time. And the likelihood is if Hearts are to win the League Cup for the first time since October 1962, they're going to have to beat Rangers one way or t'other. So let's beat them in the semi-final and then beat Hibs or Aberdeen in the final. Why not? Uh, Scott McIntosh did message just with his thoughts and he actually said, I'm strangely happy with the draw. All three potential opponents have their strengths and weaknesses. Hibs are potent up front and Boyle and Yuan would have posed us a big threat on that big Hamden pitch. Aberdeen are a very effective counter-attacking team, which we struggle against at the moment. Rangers no longer have Kent and Morelos, who were the two chief instigators of mayhem in previous meetings. They are very disjointed in possession and pressing at the moment. The caveat to this is by the time we play them, Beal may be gone and the likes of Cantwell and Lawrence are back from injury. So some cautious optimism ahead of that one. Before that, of course, Hearts will play Ross County and Dingwall. We'll be back next week to discuss that. Hopefully some more positivity in that one. And before we go, uh, since I started the episode with some 
religious references. I'm going to end it with a message from a man of God. And there's no particular relevance to this message, but it just popped up in my feed. So I thought, why not? He says, do what you want, wear what you want and be who you want to be. Because those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. The wise words of Jubon Oshaniwa on the 27th of September. Until next time, people. <laughs> See you, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you.